Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie, and with me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What is up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. I'm exhausted. Uh, another Monday is in the books, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling it. We can only go up from here, Pat. Bro, my life is completely upended. Can I tell you what my my like the last four days have been like for me? What what have, what have, what have you done? Uh, not four days. Hold on. Saturday, Sunday, three days. Okay, so no, fr- four days. Friday. I went up. Oh, wait, was it, was it Friday? No, it was when. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so my wife took both my boys um, down to North Carolina to visit her her uh, sister. Yeah. Uh, so they left Sunday. So I've been by myself now for. It feels like three weeks, but it's been like a day and a half. Yeah, I can tell because you've lost sense of track, like your all sort of sense of time or space. Dude, it is like <laughs> so. I went to I went to Legacy last week, which was awesome. It does, probably doesn't help that you're in a sensory deprivation room right now. Like it looks <laughs> like you're just in purgatory. <laughs> yeah, I have like the background like faded out. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> dude, it's been, it's really weird and not having anyone in my house. I it, it's like it's playing games with me. My mind, my mind. It's only been a day and a half. It's only been a day and a half. <laughs> Your wife gets back and she's like, "What do you mean? We only have two kids. Yeah, what, do you right? mean a, what do you mean a third kid?" <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, yeah. So that's been weird, but uh, but it's been good. I, I was running a little late tonight because football season started for us. So, uh, I'm co- I'm coaching. Also, really weird because I went to football practice tonight to coach kids without my own kids and left alone. Felt really weird because I've never done that before. Um, so yeah, it's just like I'm having like this week is really strange. Like I'm not really make I, I always cook for everyone at the house i'm not cooking for anybody because it's just me i don't know man it's it's strange uh but i did go to, i did play legacy last week so that's that is the first irl legacy i've played since uh before the pandemic that's so awesome it was dope man it was great shout out to uh time ball games in bellingham i went down there on wednesday and i got my teeth kicked in for three rounds it was great Oh, that sounds like my uh, Friday night. I went to <laughs> I went to F and M on Friday night, and I just got KO'd right out the door. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go up to, to Etsy, but I forgot my wife was watching uh, my two, my niece and nephew for my for my brother that night. So sadly, I could not make it up to that F and M. But I'm gonna try to go this week uh, to Etsy. But t- how'd your F and M go? Not great. Not great. So round one, I played against Reanimator, and you know Reanimator is already naturally pretty advantaged against Sneak and Show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they they have something to show and tell in when you have a show and tell. It's exactly. not like an unflipped Delver or something stupid. Yeah. Also, I mean they're faster, and right. then the reason like game one, I got like triple unmask thought seized. Oh. So I'm just like, all right, I can't win that. <laughs> and then game two, he just made a turn one Grizzlebrand. So you're like, hey, that's my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out discard is better than counter magic, you know, yeah. the combo so yeah, that was unfortunate round one, but I try to shake it off. And then round two, I played against blue red Delver, which uh-huh. is also, another, also- yeah. Another great matchup for sneaking show, obviously. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, Thanks for both game me, one and game two, both games had triple force of will. So I'm like, <laughs> all right. I'm like, this hand's good. I could be, I could be double force of will. This is great. <laughs> and nope. He had triple force of will. Oh my gosh. That sucks. 
Yeah, and then game two, I mold to five, and he also had triple force of will. Yep, yep. In game two, and I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna go home. This was my Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um. So I think I have my notes downstairs, obviously, but because I was rushing to get up here, I, I didn't bring them with me. But if I remember correctly, I faced round one. I faced um, uh, Blue Red Devil Mirror match, which was really interesting. Went to three games. Our first game went for like probably twenty to twenty five minutes. And like most matches for me take 20, 25 minutes. So, and the mirror match is usually kind of quick, but it was just uh, the two of us just playing the, 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 you know, you can't have a creature. Now you can have a creature. Now you can have a creature. It was just back and forth. It was a great, it was a great battle. And then um, round two, so I took the L in the first round and then round two, I played against um, that goblin. Uh, it's like the black red goblin deck, but it's got like, um, like sling gang in it, but there was another, there was, it has had Muxus in it. Uh, I guess just like the black red goblins, but it also was, it was kind of funky too, because he had, uh, I think he had Urza sagas in there as well. It, it was kind of, I just remember it was doing like a really funky thing. It was a really interesting deck. Um, I think that went to two games. Might, might've gone to three. I think it went to three and no, I went to three games, but he, had, he ended up beating me into, into uh, or beating me uh, that round, but he ended up scooping me in cause he was leaving for the night anyway. So I got a, a free win that round, even though I lost. And then round three, I played against um, that Urza deck, the blue, white, uh, blue, white, red Urza. It's got like, uh, uh, it's got the Urza's fa- Urza saga in there and a bunch of other shit. And it was, it's funny because like I've seen these deck lists, but like I've kind of just not really thought about them too much because I haven't been playing against them, but I finally started playing against them. And I'm like, oh, this is what this deck does. And it was just really interesting. It was, a, it was a great night. Like all my opponents were awesome. Um, I told them all before each match, I'm like, hey, just so you know, my deck is in Japanese and it has a bunch of new cards in it. And I don't know what all of them do. <laughs> like I literally like had Ragavan in there, which I don't think I ever misplayed Ragavan, but I definitely misplayed uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler because I kept thinking Severo was look at the top card and you can leave it there or put it on the bottom of the library. And it's not, it actually just mills it. Yeah. So it was never, it, it was never out, you know, like against my favor to do it. It was always worse for me to, to put it on the bottom of my deck than mill it because you just want to have cards in your graveyard with that deck. Um, but it was just like, I literally just, it was in Japanese and I thought it was just go like, look at it, bottom it if you want it, but it's not, it's put in the graveyard if you don't want it. No, so, so that was stupid. And then I also, and I apologize to my opponent so many times because I also like would play like expressive iteration and my opponent kept like moving my cards to the graveyard. Like I would, I, the way I resolve spells is like, I play a spell, I put it like between our play mats and, and I, and as I, and I like, do all the shit. And then once I'm done with the spell, I'll put it in the graveyard. I know that's not technically the way you're supposed to do it, but that's just how my brain works. And he kept moving it in my graveyard. So at one point I like picked up, I don't know why, but I just like scooped up my express federation and put it back in my hand. Cause he kept moving <laughs> them. And then like the next turn I went to cast it. I'm like, I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. I had to like go back and like, Oh no, this is supposed to be my graveyard. He was like, he was super cool about it. He wasn't mad or anything. And I was like, I just had, I had to apologize. Pat. Dude. No, I had, <laughs> Listen, it's the uh, it's technically the one one bracket, but I had already lost two games. And if I had beaten him, I would have just given him the win anyway, because I didn't really deserve to be in the one one bracket at that point anyway, because I actually <laughs> still lost. Uh, so for me, it was just like I also felt like really nervous. I don't know if this happened to you, Jerry, like going back to paper, but like I, I, I was, like my first game, I was really anxious playing. I don't know why. Like, I don't really get anxious playing magic, but like just being back in paper and playing with other people, it, it just I was like stressed out. It was, it was really bizarre, but I had overall, I had a really great night. Um, Time Vault uh, and Eric, they just, they run great stuff there. So it was a really fun event. 
Um, I'm hoping to go back this week. I might actually skip out of practice early Wednesday to go to, to go to Wednesday night legacy and then head up to FM on Friday up at Acton. So yeah, screw um, those kids. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got assistant coaches for a reason, you know? So, exactly. uh, Tell yeah, me but, you have an emergency. You have an emergency you have to deal with. <laughs> uh, coach, coach, why are you dressed? Why are you like in like khaki shorts and a t-shirt right now? You're not wearing like gym shorts and a shitty ripped up. Like that's what I wear. Like this is, this is my practice uniform right now. Yeah. I'm, I basically dress like our guest right now when I go to practice uh, so I can intimidate the children. But, um, but yeah, man. So anyway, uh, this is all me just rambling on to say I had a really good time playing paper magic again. It was really, it was really, really awesome. And uh and yeah, so it was great. It was great. I'm a home alone with my kids or without my kids. So the, you guys are the only human contact I have. Uh, so it's really nice to talk to everyone. You know, and uh, the and, only yeah. thing keep me saying, actually, also a <laughs> uh, real quick shout out uh, when I was at gaming, et cetera, I asked them. So we got, uh, we have 20 people pre-registered for the leaving legacy open already. It's awesome. Uh, it is a month away on August 25th. Uh, nope. No nope. 25th. I thought it was the 28th. In August 28th. Yeah, the 28th is a Saturday. On the 25th is a Wednesday, bro. <laughs> I don't know what's on the 25th, but I feel I have something important that day. But okay, August 28th. <laughs> August 28th is the Leaving Legacy Open. We got uh, pre-registration already up at gamingetc.com. Uh we already got 20 people signed up, which is actually way more than I expected because knowing magic players, magic players don't pre-register until the very last minute for mm -hmm. literally everything. So the fact that we got 20 people already, I think we're probably going to hit cap on it. So I, I just, would, yeah, I would say, I, I would say if you're planning on coming uh, register sooner rather than later, uh, just because we're seeing a lot of interest in it and it's going to be an awesome time. We'll, we'll probably cap. And that's what the kids say. No cap. Uh, you want to introduce our guest? I do want to introduce our guest. We have an awesome guest coming back to the cast for his hey, fourth or fifth time on the, I don't even remember how many, but it is our legacy historian, Adam Barnello. Welcome back on the cast, man. Thanks for having me guys. Hell yeah. Uh, now for some of our newer listeners who might not have heard your earlier episodes, uh, you are our resident historian that we like to loop in whenever we do a, uh, you know, historical based episode. We did, you know, the history of combo decks. We did the history of uh, blue white control decks. And then most recently we did uh, the history of, you know, uh, pre Innistrad to just slightly after Innistrad coming out, basically the the before and after of Delver of Secrets being printed. Right, right. And uh, you guys really liked that. That was one of our more popular episodes. So decided we wanted to kind of bring it back and do another snapshot in Legacy History uh, episode. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm I'm always up for talking about stuff that happened 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Uh, and today's episode, we're doing your favorite, your favorite My era. absolute favorite, probably two and a half month span in the history of Legacy, um, which was uh, a, a brief but very notable moment in time, for sure. Yes, and of course, what we are referring to is the infamous Flash Hulk meta of Legacy, where yeah. if you were playing at the time, you definitely remember it. And even if you weren't playing at the time, you've probably heard about it because it's widely considered one of the most broken times 
in Legacy's history. You, you people complain about Oko and Deathrite Shaman. You're like, nah. you got those things got nothing on what nope. Flash Hulk. I thought was. you guys were going to talk about Rick Steadfast Leader being put into the format, but I didn't realize we we're talking about Flash Hulk tonight. I prepared all the wrong notes. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it, Jerry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. So when when was the Flash Hulk era? Can you kind of give our listeners uh, an overview? Like wh- I, I wh- can... what was on what was on the, the billboard top 10 greatest hits yeah. at the time? <laughs> so um, we'll, we could dive right into it. So first of all, in, in case your listeners aren't aware, uh, since it's now banned in Legacy, um, Flash is a two mana blue instant. It's one and a blue. Uh, it's originally printed in Mirage. And the text of the card, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember exactly what the printed text is, but basically it says, uh, take a creature from your hand, put it into play, and then unless you pay two mana, uh, you you then sacrifice the creature. Uh, so originally when it was printed, uh, it was typically used, well, not when it was printed, but um, when it was actually used, uh, it, was, it was most often used uh to put academy rector into play and then when you would uh when you would sacrifice the academy rector you would go and get yoglin's bargain and then you would draw your library for whatever for free um that's been the the combo in many different decks uh many different applications for it in the past uh but flash was by far the cheapest one uh to accomplish that so uh way back when right around when the, the Urza sets were printed and and uh, Rector and uh, Bargain were both an issue. Wizards uh, made power level errata. This was a thing they used to do way back in the day. Rather than ban a card, they really wanted to specifically ban cards that were um, unfun in some way, like making redundant pattern of, uh, of play or things that were like you know, the manual dexterity cards, that kind of stuff. Um, they, they didn't like to do that. So in some instances, they would change the, the printed or rather change the Oracle text, uh, as it was referred to back before there was Gatherer, there was Oracle. Um, and the Oracle text was the same way that Gatherer is. It's kind of the hard line on what the, what the card actually does. So with Flash and, and actually similarly with a few other cards, um, they, they reduced the power of the card. And, and what they basically said is when you pay the two mana and you play Flash, the card uh, that you choose from your hand, either you pay two mana and, and put it into play or you put it directly into your graveyard. So it never actually hits the battlefield before it dies. Um, there were some other cards that had similar printings, right? Um, anything that triggered... Uh, on entering play so for example cloud of fairies right uh if you if you play a cloud of fairies it untaps two lands when it enters the battlefield it untaps two lands but prior to this change if you had used like aether vial to put it into play uh, it wouldn't have triggered because there was a power level errata on it that said if you cast this from your hand when it enters the battlefield it untaps two lands uh, and importantly, we'll come to it in a little bit. Uh, Karmic Guide actually had the same caveat. It said, if you cast this from your hand, when it comes to play, reanimate a creature. Um, now, so now, because they actually reprinted Karmic Guide recently, 
and the new the new formatting on it is when Karmic Guide enters the battlefield, yep. return target creature to the battle. Uh, yep. So so that was similar to what it actually said on the card before. Also, yep. this this errata didn't exist if you read the card, and it's funny because the whole premise of like RTFC um, didn't work for a lot of cards back then because the, right. if they were especially if they were powerful because. Uh, you know, similarly to how I think a lot of like um, digital card games play now, like I know in Hearthstone and like Eternal and some other games that are not arena, um, the the developer will nerf or change cards on the platform if they become problematic. And they can do that because they just change the code and then the card says a different thing. Well, Magic couldn't do that because it was printed. So what they did was they used the only online database that they had, the Oracle text, and they would change it there. But if you were new and you were just opening a card for the first time or seeing it in your opponent's uh, deck for the first time, um, a lot of times it was a little bit difficult to, to follow. Yeah. So obviously that's problematic for them. That's that's really sorry. I just, I just want to hear, that's really interesting that there was a was, was it like a website called Oracle or it was like a program they had? No, it was, I mean, Oracle is a program, but it's something completely different. Okay. But, um, but no, it, it was called the Oracle, you know, that's a very magic-y right, sounding right. Yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but it, it was essentially what Gatherer is now. It's, it, it's, it's just funny because like I've heard the term Oracle text. I never thought anything of it because I obviously have yeah. look them up in Gatherer or whatever. It's just one of those like yeah. nomenclatures that yeah, stuck yeah. around forever. Because honestly, I wouldn't even have been able to tell you that that's what it was. And, and it would have just rolled off my brain as the mm -hmm. Oracle text without realizing it. Um, but I was, you know, doing some background reading and I remembered that that's where all that stuff, the repository for it was. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I remember the big one was uh, Time Vault. Time Vault got its Oracle text errated like four or five times. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had a hard time figuring out what to do with Time Vault. Um, uh, Illusionary Mask had the same problem. There were there were a few different oracle texts of what that card did and what time vault did over the years and every time they thought they fixed it somebody figured out a way to break it <laughs> and then they would try to fix it again and that would just be broken in a different way hmm. so you know right around the same time was one of the big things with uh with time vault is they tried to do this thing with time counters and like when you untap it you put a time counter on it and then if you remove a time counter from it you can it, it, you know, it, yeah. it was very convoluted, mm -hmm. but what it ended up doing is it allowed you to basically, if you could find a way to tap it, you could infinitely skip the whole rest of the game. Huh. So you could untap it for free at any point, but you couldn't tap it unless you did some hoop jumping through. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when uh, like right around that time is when flame fusillade came out mm -hmm. from i think that was uh the original ravnica i know the original ravnica block i don't remember which set uh and that was like if you tap a permanent you all your permanents gain tap to deal one damage to a target so you know you just infinitely skip the rest of the de the turns in the in the game and you would just kill your opponent on the spot so yeah again like they want the cards to basically do what they say they do just uh, for the most part right? basically they want you to play magic as richard garfield intended and stop it, finding ways to break these things wide <laughs> open you right. damn kids <laughs> right uh so right around the time that future sight was coming out was when the whole flash debacle came about it was uh the future sight was released on may 20th of 2007 uh 
Grand Prix Columbus was that weekend. Yep. Actually, it was exactly it was, May twentieth. Yes. I have. Uh, it was actually it have the was, top eight pulled up in preparation. Right. So <laughs> Friday of that weekend was May eighteenth. Day one of that tournament was May nineteenth, and day two of that tournament was May twentieth. But because of the way things used to work, the set releases always happened on the twentieth of the month, and you would only be allowed to play with a set in a tournament if the tournament, if the if the set was legal on the first day of the tournament. So we missed playing with Future Sight at that Grand Prix by literally one day. <laughs> if it had been leap year that year, maybe yep. things would have gone down differently. Uh, but so Future Sight was not legal for that for that uh, Grand Prix Columbus, and that was a Legacy Grand Prix, by the way. Um, it was one of the first, I want to say, like half dozen Legacy Grand Prix that were around. So uh, there was a lot of buildup, especially in the Legacy community about that grand prix it was around the time when if we were lucky we got one u.s grand prix a year so everybody had a lot riding on it in the context of you know bragging rights and you know the exposure to the the greater magic community etc so what happened that that kind of um catalyzed flash was uh, please Interrupt me at any point because there's a good chance that I'm just going to talk for an hour. You can- <laughs> well, one, one thing I just wanted to point out here is uh, so this is a Grand Prix in 2007 and right. it actually had 883 players. And yeah. like that seems about normal now, but I it think, was big. Yeah, I think people f- forget how unusual it was to have tournaments of that size, especially for legacy back then you know ever since basically 2014 2015 we started seeing gps balloon in size and gps were getting bigger and bigger and bigger for the longest time though gps were like 250 people 300 people the the first gp that i went to uh there were only six rounds on day one yeah so you you know like it's not it, it was not a huge you know, massive convention sized thing up until much, much later than this. And remember um, one of the, so first of all, the legacy Grand Prix were exceptionally large every time people loved playing legacy. It was such a palate cleanser for a lot of the, you know, like the pro or grinder community that they really enjoyed it. And the other thing that's really important is that prices for legacy cards had not blown up yet. So this is the time when, you know, dual lands. And I know there's going to be some like people that can't believe this when they, when they hear this, but, but we would have like dual lands as the prize for our weekly legacy tournaments because they were only like $20 a piece. Yeah. So, and that's like, you know, tropical Island is 20 bucks. So it's the, the prices were low enough that the format could be relatively popular for a short period of time and there wasn't a big buy-in and i mean people still complained about prices then but um i, I think we talked know, about this on the last time you're on the cast yeah. where it's like people were trading like tarmogoyce for mm. tropical islands because that was yeah. a fair trade yep yep <laughs> yeah and maybe at the end of this we'll talk about tarmogoyce a little bit but because yep. because it, it it's flash had a lot to do with why tarmogoyce was what it was um but so uh trying to kind of circle back to where I was. So right before future site came out, um, what typically would happen is if there were Oracle changes that happened 
two cards, right? And there were banned and restricted changes that were happening to formats. Those only happened coincidentally with a set release. So you would only get basically like three, four times a year the ability for the database to be updated and cards to change. And then you would also only get that, uh, the, a band change once every three or four months. So with Future Sight, uh, that was the time when they decided that they were going to remove a bunch of the power level errata. They didn't really make a big deal about it. It was just in like the developer notes from the set release. And you it's know, like you a, would, a you footnote. Would get, like, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they would list the cards and they would say what they did and what they do now, et cetera, et cetera. So somebody was paying attention, right? I don't know who it was. I don't know how it actually got exploded on the internet, but you know, it was it was not very long after that change was announced that the article started getting thrown up saying. Um, do they know what they're doing? And the first rounds that I could find of people kind of developing on this deck was very similar to what had happened in the past. It was people trying to break Academy Rector or something similar to Academy Rector, right? Some effect like that. But the real thing that broke it open was when someone tried to use Protean Hulk. Yeah. So Protean Hulk is the Hulk part of the Hulk Flash combo. Mm -hmm. It's a seven mana green creature. I don't know what its power and toughness are. It doesn't really matter. It's never in play. Uh, so the important part is it says when this creature dies, you can search your library for up to six uh, mana value. I'm trying to use modern day terms, <laughs> right? Of, of creatures and put them on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. So it, it basically tinkers for six mana worth of creatures. Um, so, you know, now for two mana, you can search your entire deck and find six power of creatures and put them into play. Mm -hmm. So the the first iteration of this combo was, okay, well, we don't necessarily need six mana, right? We can do it with four. So we'll put four Disciple of the Vault, one mana black, or one black mana, one, one, whenever an artifact you control dies, uh, each opponent loses one life. And then we're also going to find between 8 and 12 X casting cost artifact creatures. Right. So Shifting Wall is yep. one of them. Um, I forget what the other one Ornithopter, probably. No, Ornithopter doesn't die. So oh. the X casting cost creatures oh, cost right. zero, oh, right, but they right, right. also have no power and toughness. So the right. instant they hit the battlefield, they die. Yep. So you've got four Disciple of the Vaults, and then you've got, let's say, six of the other creatures. Yep. All six of them die, and then you have 24 triggers to kill your opponent. Gotcha. Oh, that's that's pretty slick. Yeah, it was super slick. Um, and, and it was very good, too. It, and that combo was the reason why people were so afraid of Flash. It was also right when Gemstone Caverns was released. And it was also right when Simeon Spirit Guide was just released. So now you have this two-mana spell where you can be on the draw, start the game with Gemstone Caverns in play, pitch a, a Spirit Guide, play a two-mana spell in your opponent's upkeep, and then win the game on the spot. <laughs> so not even not even if like you're you're you won the die roll, so you win. It's like doesn't matter. Your opponent won the die roll. I'm still gonna win on your turn. Doesn't <laughs> yep. matter. You, you're gonna lose in your upkeep of your first turn. Good job. And it's only five cards, so it it's it's actually kind of insane to think about how you know easy that that win was. The, of course, 
somebody ran the math because that's what we do as magic players. And it's like, you have like a 2% chance of actually pulling that off. If you're willing to mill all the way down to five or, or you know, mall all the way down to five, mm-hmm. it's extremely unlikely that you'll be able to put those five cards together. So, so the, it is theoretically possible. The thing with that is it makes me really interested to see if this ever was legal in legacy again, because on one hand, a five card combo is laughable in legacy today like you would you would never do a five card combo just because there's way more efficient things but on the other hand with the new mulligan rule yeah that heavily favors it's gotta be a higher percentage right (laughs) but so the important thing with that though is that it was extremely unlikely but it was possible so there was a boogeyman in the room with it right people were terrified that if they weren't playing force well they were going to lose turn zero every game and it just wasn't consistent enough to do that but it was consistent enough to win on turn let's say two mm-hmm. with force of will or days or whatever backup very consistently right it could run worldly tutor it could run mystical tutor it mm-hmm. could run you know a, a whole slew of protection and and search for the combo. Um, I do want to point out one thing against it though, that while it had these tutors, I do want to point out that the decks were running four peaks because Ponder was sure. not printed yet. Sure. Ponder wasn't <laughs> around yet. Neither was Gataxian Probe, right? There were a lot of spells that were better than that. Mm-hmm. That were and also it just like gave you the ability to see if the coast was clear. Um yep. I will say the best versions of that did not run peak. Uh but at the time, you know, deck building was not what it is today because the cards weren't what they are today. Yeah. For our listeners who don't know, Peak is a cantrip. It's one blue. Look at target player's hand, draw a card. Just strictly worse than Gitaxian Probe. When Gitaxian it's Probe, an instant, though. It is an instant. Actually, you're right. It's not strictly worse. It is It is an instant. But yeah, when Gitaxian Probe was printed, I remember everyone saying it's like, oh, Peak got an upgrade. Yeah. That's not what I said. <laughs> i said all of our decks are 56 cards now it's, and i think i was a little closer to right than than uh yeah. just being bad peak yeah that's um, true. so uh okay so the combo originally like i said was this disciple of the vault kill and and at the grand prix i apologize let me back up just slightly so as i was saying oracle text changes happen in coincidentally with a set release right uh but the card didn't change. So the, the text was what the text was and the rule change happened. Uh, but it was supposed to be coincidental with the set release. And what happened was they actually announced it early and it went into effect uh, prior to the set release. So I think the, the time frame that we were talking about with, with what happened was roughly a month before the Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, the Grand Prix was in May. I think the, the announcement happened sometime in, in April. And the Grand Prix trial season, where you would potentially earn buys, was wow. already ongoing. They already had tournaments that had concluded before this change happened. Mm-hmm. So people were already testing for this tournament. They were already trialing for this tournament. And then the entire format kind of got turned on its head overnight. And it was only a few, like six weeks at most before the actual tournament happened. So that's, that's an exciting time. It was, 
it was incredibly exciting and it was incredibly terrifying too because it was like are you going to go to the grand prix you need to get flashes right now and it was very difficult to get this random obscure mirage slash seventh edition uh you know rare card um out of the blue when everybody knew about it you know it was an open secret people knew that flash was going to be a thing but the deck lists themselves were very secretive people didn't have a lot of information about technology and and this was before a lot of stuff was available on magic online Mm -hmm. so the testing process was a little bit different then too well i was gonna say like i mean 15 years ago the internet is not what it was to you know what it is today yeah yeah, yeah magic know? online was garbage i mean it's still not great but it was garbage back yeah then. it was garbage i think facebook was just becoming a thing but it was not really used for magic uh, maybe some people use facebook in yeah. the very early days for magic but there weren't there weren't there weren't like groups like there was no facebook group or facebook I mean, messenger. yeah facebook didn't have groups originally or messenger for it, it yeah, was literally so like, just none, none of that exi- this was still discord, the era discord 100 no there was no exist. discord yeah no no discord this was still the era when you needed a edu email address to sign up for facebook uh, yeah. it was back like when facebook was early. good like <laughs> back when it was good well good so, like, so we're talking like main sources of magic information at this stage is basically lgs the sort yeah so uh, oh, it was people, people at your lgs but i mean in the online sphere it's basically right like the source yep was the dojo still a thing at this point or no. the, do- the dojo had died no, off dojo by this point it was it was basically the source uh was was basically it for legacy although there were some other forums that had legacy portions mm-hmm. of their forum, like uh, the Manadrain had a legacy uh, forum and stuff. Um, and then it was basically like team chat rooms, mm-hmm. right? Like people on, were on people, aim, on aim, on aim, or <laughs> you know, like we we. I think at that point we had set up private team forums on the source, but team testing was like very important back then right Mm -hmm. it still is for stuff like pro tours like people are still you know on on testing teams and stuff but there were just like long running consistent teams at that point because you just needed people to test with and only so many people cared about the format so it wasn't really like commonplace for you to have a high level of of player constantly you know picking away at legacy um so the testing was very like insular and very like um, regional, mm-hmm. right? So you would have, I mean, at, at that time, like Syracuse, where I'm from, had a very vibrant legacy scene. So we had a three or four different groups that were all testing, you know, different versions of flash decks, and they all had different opinions on what was good and what was bad. Um, so once once it kind of hit the hit the ground running oh i'm sorry there was one other important place um the mtg salvation uh forums had a legacy thing too and not very many people took them seriously uh certainly like most of the people on the source didn't for better or for worse um but but it did exist and it was probably one of the most uh you know like popular uh forums for magic at that time uh, it was it was like the the baseline. It was basically like the kids that played Pokemon stopped playing Pokemon and started playing Magic, and then they all went to the uh, Salvation forums. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it see it always felt like it was a very young forum to me. Hmm. But uh, what was important about that is at one point along the way, in the course of those four to six weeks, a bunch of deck lists got leaked onto the MTG Salvation forums. 
Huh. Um, so for example, one of the, one of the minor pieces of technology that happened during that whole slew of things was body snatcher. Uh, and, and to talk about what body snatcher is, let's step to the side and, and talk about the, the actual combo that was used for the most part in, in most of the flash decks. So as I, I was, I was talking about before karmic guide also had power level errata. Um, so the combo that would happen with the, with the karmic guide combo was you would sacrifice your uh your protean hulk with flash and then you would go and get carrion feeder and karmic guide karmic guide would reanimate the uh protean hulk and then carrion feeder would sacrifice the protean hulk with that one you would go and get kiki jiki you would tap kiki jiki to copy karmic guide in response to that, you would sacrifice the Kiki-Jiki to the Carrion Feeder. And then when the ability of Kiki-Jiki resolves, you get another Karmic Guide. This time it has haste, it's untapped, and it would reanimate Kiki-Jiki. And then you would do that ad infinitum, and you would have as many Karmic Guides as you wanted, and then you would attack with hasty Karmic Guides. For, for The problem... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, for our, for our, list, our newer legacy listeners um, who may not be familiar... The play pattern was very similar to kind of what Aluren is today in that it's a in, uh, infinite creature-based combo kill that can just search its deck for exactly what it needs and kill on the spot. And it kind of makes sense the play pattern too because Aluren also came out of this era uh, of, of the Flash Hulk. Um, yeah. But just to put that in some context for our newer listeners who sure. might not have seen the combo in action. So the issue with that combo is, first of all, it's extremely compact, right? You're talking about, aside from Flash and Hulk, it's three cards. Carrion Feeder, Karmic Guide, Kiki-Jiki. The problem with that is is twofold. One, what if you draw the Kiki-Jiki? With the exception of Brainstorm, now you've got no ability to get that back into the deck in order to put it where it needs to be for the combo. And then the other piece is, like, what if they have a Swords to Plowshares, right? Suddenly your combo's broken up and you're really, really fragile at that point. Well, the solution to both of those problems was uh, Body Snatcher. Very obscure card. I would be greatly surprised if anyone that doesn't already know about Flash knows what Body Snatcher does. <laughs> it's it's pretty, a four-mana badass card. I like the yeah. art. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's very sweet. I think it's from Torment. Uh, it's a, it's a four-mana, two and two black creature. Again, uh, power and toughness, uh, not relevant. Urza's Destiny. Destiny. Yeah. It does look like a Torment card, though, yeah. for sure. So the the, or, okay, the Oracle text. Uh, the text on this card says, when it enters the battlefield, you may discard a, car, a creature card from your hand. And then it says, when it dies, you can return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield and you exile Body Snatcher. So what's important about that? Two things. One, it costs four instead of five right karmic guide costs five body snatcher costs four and the second piece that's important is you get to discard a card when it comes into play so if you draw one of your combo pieces you can discard it to the body snatcher right the other piece of it is now you have an extra mana to play with so now the combo says the first time you sacrifice protein hulk you go and get body snatcher carrion feeder and then some one mana creature that protects your combo most of the time it was sylvan safekeeper uh, Sylvan Safekeeper, one mana green creature. Uh, you can sacrifice a land to give something, I want to say, Shroud until end of turn. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So basically, it just says, all right, swords to vouchers, not relevant anymore. So then you sacrifice the body snatcher, and this time you reanimate the uh, protean hulk with it. And then from that point, the combo's the same. You, th- with the second loop, you go get Karmic Guide. With the third loop, you go get Kiki-Jiki. Mm-hmm. And then you have Infinite again. But if you happen to have drawn one of those along the way, now you have a way to get rid of it from your hand that doesn't take up more than one more slot in the combo. So the whole combo, five slots in your deck. Mm-hmm. Which means there's all kinds of room for protection and searching. Right? It's, it's a very robust deck with a very small combo package. So small, in fact, that at the actual Grand Prix, on the Friday before when they were running the last chance Grand Prix trials, mm-hmm. one of my friends uh, named Matt Cadillac actually won a GPT with blue-white fish, so like meddling mages and, and, and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. with the entire sideboard dedicated to a transformational flash package. It huh. had... Eight (laughs) cards that were Flash and Hulk and five cards that were the combo in his sideboard. Wow. (laughs) So you could literally just, oops, I'm I'm Flash now. Yeah, he would like grind out game one against whoever he was playing against. And then game two, it's just, oops, I win. And his opponents were like, wait, you're actually casting Flash? Ha ha ha. That's a cheap way to get a a meddling mage in play. And then he would put Protean Hulk. (laughs) play and then he would win and and they were very confused <laughs> that's hilarious because yeah it's exact oh my man that is yeah, 13 cards is how much it took that's so, amazing you know it, it's the the combination of the small amount of room in the main deck that the combo takes up with the fact that it, it's extremely cheap to play and then the amount of protection that you get to play with it because it's a blue combo deck. Like the only card that you're actually casting is a blue instant. It it just was far and away better than anything anyone was doing at the time. Uh, you know, we, we were in a metagame where like the best decks at that time were like blue white land still. Mm-hmm. So we were playing extremely plotting, slow control decks where you're trying to grind out value with Mishra's factories or, you know, goblins was still a deck. Um, Threshold was kind of there, but it wasn't really like a top tier deck at that point. So not only was Goblin Goblin still a deck then, Goblins actually came in second in the Flash Hulk GP, piloted uh, by uh, Owen Turtenwald. Yes. Wait, was it Goblins or was it? I thought he played Trinity Green. Uh, he played uh, Green. No, it, you're right. It was Goblins. Yep. It was Goblins. And if I remember correctly. Um, there was a whole bunch of Leyline in the Voids in there somewhere. I don't remember if he played him in the main deck or he played him in the sideboard. Um, the metagame warped a lot around the, the fact that Flash existed, right? Mm-hmm. So Goblins was only successful because they had the ability to kill things at an instant speed without actually playing a spell, mm-hmm. right? Gempom Incinerator could break up the combo. And they were playing Graveyard Hate, sometimes main deck gra- Graveyard Hate. Uh, they they otherwise it wouldn't have been capable of of competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another deck that made top eight of that Grand Prix was, as I said, Trinity Green, um, which was basically just like Forest Llanowar Elf, Forest Trinisphere, 
right? It was just like, okay, you're going to try to play cheap spells. Well, I got something to say about that. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was a, a lot of like Thorn of Amethyst type cards, although that wasn't printed yet. Uh, and, and, you know, lock pieces were involved in trying to get this. And then the other deck that was extremely popular, as I said, was, was blue, white um, hate bears, you know? So the, the bulk of the format w- very quickly became flash decks and decks that tried to beat flash decks. And then of course, there's always the guy that's like, well, I'm just going to try to dodge flash and I'm going to beat all the decks that try to beat flash. Right. And I think that's what Owen really ended up doing a lot of. Um, I know he did beat flash a few times in the tournament, but I know like the bulk of his wins were him beating up on small creature decks <laughs> that were trying to go underneath flash. Yeah. Taking a look, this deck does not really look like it could uh, do too well against flash. So it, it has, so to kind of take a look at what proto goblins looked like, Bob, in this age, uh, we got four gem palm incinerators, four goblin lackey, four goblin matron, four goblin pile driver, four goblin ringleader, one goblin sharpshooter, four goblin war chief, four mog fanatic, two siege gang commander, uh, two Tin Street Hooligan and four Aether Vial. Honestly, other than a couple of flex pieces, not that different from what we'd see no. out of goblins today. Super basic deck list. It was not. It was not overly complicated at all. Yep. On the other hand, the the Grand Prix winning deck list was is to this day the sexiest deck list I have ever seen in my entire life. So let's, I, let's, I still have a picture of it saved on my phone let's, <laughs> to this let's, day. Let's take a look at this list. Cause this list is pretty sweet. Uh, it was Steve Saden played it, right? Yep. But it was, it was actually built by Billy Moreno. Yeah. So Steve, Steve Saden came in first at Grand Prix Columbus, 2007. Uh, his, his Hulk flash deck is actually a little bit different from the other Hulk flash decks in the tournament, but his list is three flooded strand, three islands, four Delta, one swamp, one tropical Island, one tundra, one underground sea. That's actually a very affordable mana base, even by today's standards. You know, that's very light on the, uh, the duels. Didn't need them. Yeah. Only it's a blue combo deck. Mm -hmm. Only 14 lands, 14 lands, six of them. Like, oh, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's tight. I like that. I think. He ran Chromox also. Uh, am, I, no. am I wrong on that? Uh, yes, no, you're right. Four okay. Chromox. So also four Chromox. So 16 lands or 14 lands, but you know, some Chromoxes also. Yep. Yeah. You he, don't need cards in your hand. Exactly. Um, so he's got the uh, flash combo that we've uh, already talked about. You know, the prote- Protein Hulk, uh, Kiki, Karmic Guide, Carrion Feeder, Body Snatcher. And then also four Dark Confidant for, I guess, just when you need to dig for that combo a little bit. Yes and no, but continue. It feel- <laughs> Dark Confidant feels dangerous in a deck with like massive. Uh, it's not. Manicos. And here's why. It, it's not. And here's why. Right. First of all. The, the average converted mana cost of this deck is extremely low, right? So it, mm-hmm. the only spells you're casting cost like two mana or less. But the other thing that you're going to get to later, which probably looks very, very commonplace now, but was not at that time, is he was the well, he was I maybe the only one playing counterbalance top in his flash deck at that oh. Grand Prix. Yes, so that that's uh, what I wanted to get to for counterbalance. Four Sensei's Dividing Top. So running a countertop control combo in his Protean uh, Protean Hulk Flash combo. No one had done that, right? Like it was 
it was a thing that had happened a little bit in other formats, but in Legacy, no one was playing Counterbalance and Top. No one. It just it was not and it 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 didn't exist. So the idea of putting Countertop into his flash deck so that not only does he have a static way of dealing with interaction from his opponents, but also a way to trump the mirror, right? If because his whole deck's gonna counter their whole deck. He was way ahead of the curve, way ahead of the curve. And then, you know, combining uh, Dark Confidant with Sensitivity Top means you're basically playing top for, or playing Bob for free at that point, right? Yeah, like, you're, you're never going to flip a seven because worst case scenario, you take one. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, that, that innovation and then combining that with uh, what he did with his sideboard, which I mean, you'll get to later, but um, basically he had a transformational sideboard as well. Uh, this was pre Tarmogoyf. It was pre everything, right? It, like no, no good creatures existed at that time. So he actually had four Quirion Dryad in his sideboard. And whenever there was a grindy matchup, he would board in the four Quirion Dryads. And then he would just go to, you know, small creature beatdown land and just play spells to grow his Quirion Dryad and beat mm-hmm. up all the fishies. I'm really surprised that in this age of, uh, you know, blue-white control, meddling mage, land still style decks, counter ba- countertop wasn't, you know, more popular. Remember, prior to this, the best decks in the format were playing Aether Vial, right? They were uh, playing, yeah, true. Um, they were playing like Wrath of God, you know, fish, like it's, they just, they, they weren't, they weren't cards that were really good. And in fact, if you look across the history of Legacy, at least after counterbalance is legal, it really ebbs and flows in in the level of, of play based on you know what's good in the metagame. And the faster the format is, the better counterbalance gets. Mm-hmm. But when the best decks in the format are like either aggro decks or or decks that are not necessarily trying to play one and two mana spells. It's almost like, you know, the better Chalice of the Void gets, the better Counterbalance gets. Hmm. Um, and Chalice of the Void isn't always good either. So, yeah. Hmm. It's true. So uh, then rounding out the deck list here, he's got four Brainstorm, four Days, one Echoing Truth. Uh, I'm guessing just, you know, that's a good catch-all answer. There wasn't People really- were main decking Leyline of the Void. Um, we got four flash, four force of will, four mystical tutor, and then also kind of interesting, a main deck massacre. What is yeah. that about? Respect for the meddling mage just play that mage was going decks. on. Yeah. Gotcha. It's free. That I mean, so hmm. you can mystical tutor for it, so you don't need more than one. Um most of us are not used to playing in a format with four mystical tutors available in your deck, but you basically have free access <laughs> to whatever spell you want at any point, right? So especially with top where you're just like, ah, oh, draw it. Um so Massacre was basically a free edition where he just said, like, okay, well, now you don't have meddling mages anymore. Hmm. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, and then like you said, transformational sideboard. Uh, you got four leyline of the void, three more massacre. Uh, for Quirion Dryad, which, man, how the mighty have fallen. Quirion Dryad yeah. was is now an uncommon in a core <laughs> set. Yep, going from like a premier aggro creature to an uncommon in a core set. <laughs> I mean, literally, like the the format of Legacy 
is based on Queer and Dryad, right? Like at a very, very core level, all of our decks that are like Blue Red Delver are just new versions of Blue Red Green Canadian Threshold, mm-hmm. which is just a modern version of Blue White Green Miracle Grow from Extended from Forever Go. So Aquarian Dryad was like the 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 homegirl. Like she was first. She was the old, old, old school version of all of the green beatdown creatures we've played for the last 20 years. Yep. Uh, and then also rounding it out, uh, one Revenant Silence and three Swords to Plowshares. Yeah, so Revenant Silence is another free spell. Um, that one, I, man, I don't even remember what format or what what set these are from anymore. But it's like you can pace, you can give your opponent six life or something like that. And I totally, and, which which set is the axe? I forget even which set that is. Nemesis. Yeah. Oh, Nemesis. You're one right. of one of the extremely rare cards that saw play from Nemesis. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that one, uh, it's like your opponent, you can give your opponent six life or something like that. And Yeah, if, and if you control a forest, you may have each other player gain six life instead of playing its mana its uh, mana cost, destroy all enchantments. And that actually still sees play in Legacy to this day in a couple of like the reanimator sideboards. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it's just a good way to kill all of the Leyline of the Void effects at once. Yep. Yeah, basically whenever Leyline of the Void gets really good, Revenant Silence starts to make a comeback. Yep. And and especially in a deck like this where you don't really care what your love that your opponent's life total is because you're gonna make infinite karmic guides anyway. Yeah. Um yeah. the the funniest thing that happened in the coverage of this tournament was they did a feature match with Billy, uh, I'm sorry, with uh with Steve Satan, and it was like God, it was like round six, right? It was not the beginning of this tournament by any means. And he was in a feature match and he got to the point of the combo where he actually needed to combo and his opponent was like, okay, walk me through it. And Steve was like, I don't actually know how this combo works. (laughs) No one's made me do it yet. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) Always make your opponent have it guys. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, everyone's just scooped until now. Yeah. Every time I resolve flash, they just scoop. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, that made it into the coverage. That's like the tournament, the the infamous tournament back in the day when LSV uh, forgot the tendrils. Yeah, he forgot to add a tendrils of agony to his storm deck, uh, but he still won because he just goes, "All right, da 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 da." -da, Storm count is ten, and I cast Infernal Tutor, and their opponent is like, "Okay, you got it," and scoop it up. (laughs) No one ever asked to see the tendrils. It was a it was a vintage tournament though, so he was casting Burning Wish, and then somebody actually made him do it, and he had to end up tinkering for Darksteel Colossus and time walking. Like he he had to find another way to win. That's so funny. Um. So the tournament went down. Um, it was it was actually a really awesome tournament. Uh, we we had a couple of cars from Syracuse that went to it. The it, we had a lot of fun despite the fact that Flash was so dominant. You know, in hindsight, of course, you know at the at the moment everyone's very up, up in arms about it and, and concerned about like mm-hmm. what's going to happen, what's the future of the format going to look like. This is going to kill Legacy, blah blah blah. But looking back at it in hindsight, it's one of those times where like. You don't appreciate it while you're in the middle of it, but it's such a unique experience in this game, mm-hmm. it, let alone in the in the format, that it's like, you know, the when when Team Channel Fireball went to that pro tour and they discovered the um the, the artifact deck that no one else had, right? And they just steamrolled over the rest of the competition and put like four guys in the top eight of the pro tour. 
Um, those things happen so rarely. There's mm-hmm. so rarely like a, a deck that's heads and shoulders above everything else that's going on that when you get to be a part of that, it's really special. Like the times that come to mind of like the rare times, it's like Cobblade, Cobblade yeah. being invented, Protean Hulk or a Flash Hulk, I should say. Um, you know, th- I think like OG Crack Clans Ironwork combo. Yeah. Like those times where it was just like, oh, yeah, this is something special. This is, yeah. this is very different. Um, yeah. I, I loved watching KCI happen while it was happening. First of all, that was a, that was a card that sat under the radar forever, right? Like it was, it was broken when it was there in standard. And, and then it disappeared off the radar screen for a long time. And watching Matt Nass play that deck and like the level that he was on compared to everyone else that tried to play that deck was like, (laughs) there's something going on with this kid that, that doesn't exist elsewhere. Right. He was just on a completely different stratosphere than everyone else playing that deck using the rules of the card game to get around things that shouldn't work and making the combo work in ways that the the rules as written in magic aren't intended (laughs) it's just like it's it's amazing to me it's incredible it's Mm. way smarter than i am way 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 smarter than i am i tried to play it and i was just like i i i felt like steve satan i didn't know what the hell i was supposed to be doing (laughs) And also just to show that, you know, times never change. We see it now uh, when people are calling for bans and whatnot. You could argue that this top eight looks pretty healthy, even considering, you know, the the specter of Flash Hulk leaning over everyone. You know, yes, it put uh, three copies in the top eight, but we see three copies of Blue Red Delver in the top eight all All the the time. time. We see like seeing three copies of a deck in the top eight is like, oh, this was a good tournament for that deck. It's not out of the blue, but yeah. So So first place. There's there's a couple of reasons why things changed. Um, First of all, the power level errata change happened and people were basically calling for an emergency ban. They were like, this has warped the format completely. It's not okay for this to be in in the format at all. Uh, and we have this major event coming up, so maybe you guys could do something before that. And they basically said, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> At that point, they had only Pound ever emergency sands. banned one card. I don't know if they even have emergency banned another card since then. Hmm. Memory Jar was the only card that got mem- uh, emergency banned. And it was in a format that they didn't really care about. I mean... So, Adam, you're, you're going to... You're going to love this. Uh, now every ban is an emergency ban. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Wizards is like, we're not going to have a schedule anymore. We're just going to ban things whenever we yeah. feel like it. <laughs> Which, you know, honestly is probably better for the game it overall. Is. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of uh, disagreements with the way that the game is being developed right now, but that's not really the important part. The, the, I, I guess I would rather see them try things and fail and have to ban them mm-hmm. than for us to just be in a format where like i don't know primeval titan is the best card for the yeah. next 30 years you know yeah. like, or just that, like nothing that changes sound... like right exactly. nothing powerful enough comes in to shake the format up yeah sure yeah uh so <clears throat> the issue i guess was future sight um and while the combo deck was only legal in the format alongside future sight for like a little over a month because I think the beginning of July was when they actually updated the band list and, and removed Flash. Um, you got to remember the tools that Future Sight brought along with it, right? Mm-hmm. 
the two most important ones are Pact of Degation and Summoner's Pact, right? So where a lot of decks were running Worldly Tutor, now they have Summoner's Pact. So it's a instant speed card that puts it in your hand, the Protean Hulk in your hand, mm -hmm. instead of putting it on top of your library. You, you don't have to draw it anymore. And then now you have access to 12 free counter spells, right? You've got Force of Will, Days, and Pact from Negation to protect your combo. So the, the level of broken that this deck had just kind of escalated more and more and more. And there weren't a lot of high profile events to demonstrate the, the next iteration of the flash deck from there. Um, but it got significantly better. It still was legal and vintage. So the closest thing that you could get to seeing what it was going to be doing in legacy was what they were doing in vintage. And actually the combo got even better. <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> because the the other thing that future site brought along with it was victual sliver or you know the poison sliver right so now what they did with the combo is they don't need any of the graveyard stuff anymore if they can get the protean hulk into the graveyard so let's say your opponent has like a i don't know a tormod script or something right um now the combo is they get the two mana sliver that gives creatures haste and four of the poison slivers, and they just boom give their opponent twenty five poison counters, mm. right? So it, it and like it's vintage, so no one's playing blockers. So um, the sliver combo only takes up five slots, right? Um, the same as the other combo does, but it gets rid of the reliance on cycling through the graveyard over and over again. So they just got kicked up to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a whole bunch of different stuff that that happened all at the same time. Um, but it, it basically made it so Wizards really had to make a decision on where they wanted the format to go. And, and ultimately, I think that like despite the fact that it only had the opportunity to be played in one major tournament, it was very clear that it had changed the format significantly and that, and that there really were only you know, two or three archetypes that were viable at that point. Mm. To also just kind of put it into perspective for our listeners, I want to read you guys off the uh, the the fifth place deck from this tournament. Uh, Michael Belfado playing Black Aggro. <laughs> this is the level of competition that Protean Hulk Flash had to face against. Uh, Two Crypt Keeper, which is one in a black for a 2-1. Sacrifice Crypt Keeper, exile target card from a graveyard. That is draft fodder. <laughs> it is extremely good against a Karmic against, Guide deck, though. That is true, though. That is true. Uh, uh, four Dark Confidant, four Hand of Cruelty, which is black, black, protection for white, 2-2 two, two with Bushido 1. <laughs> uh, two yep. good old hip Hypnotic Spectre. Gotta love me some hippies. <laughs> I play uh, that in Alpha 40. <laughs> three, well, get get rid of this. Three Order of the Ebon Hand from Shh. Fallen Empires. I never knew a Fallen Empires card was ever in a GP top eight winning deck list. But here we have it. Uh, three Plague Sliver and two Stormgald Crusader. Like, this is a draft deck. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not even a good draft deck. Yeah, like, like this, I'm like, all right, I might go, like, three and one in my pod with this deck if I am if I play it tight. Now, listen, and, and this I, have, I have lost in Legacy to Drain Life You for 20, right? Like, yeah. literal Drain Life You for 20. Oh, yeah. And, and not even, like, 
storm comboed up 22 mana like <laughs> tap my cabal coffers drain you for 20 tap, tap, but tap two cabal coffers drain yeah, you for 20 yeah but this is this is different this i mean like the the black deck is exactly what i was talking about when i said there were three decks there was flash decks that beat flash and decks that tried to beat the decks that beat flash right <laughs> and, and so just, and yeah just to, to let our blisters know that this isn't some flash in the plant pan like this guy won the won a scratch ticket found a four leaf clover and got super lucky two copies of the deck made the top eight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two copies yeah, of this just, draft deck were in the top eight of this gp <laughs> there were a ton of decks that were just relying on small white creatures <laughs> to try and stop the opponent from winning the game and those decks, I mean, make fun of Order of the Ebon Hand all you want, but that pro white is no joke when the biggest removal spell in the format is Swords to Plowshares. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know? Also, a lot of decks just couldn't get it off the table. Yeah, also Hand of Cruelty. It's basically just a yeah. mono black deck with eight pro white creatures. Yep. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, actually 10 because Strong Stromgald Crusader also has pro white. Also has pro white. Yep. Uh, and then out of the board, it gets Leyline of the Void, which is a big problem for some of the decks. You know, like it's it's not nothing. It's it's I mean, it's it's a metagame call, I guess. But it, I wouldn't be caught dead playing those cards at a Grand Prix. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to travel seven hours and then pay, you know, two hundred dollars for my weekend to go play Order of the Ebb and Hand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's running Contagion too. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I love that card. One of the uh, one of the first memories I have of our old LGS in this area is uh, a friend of mine. His his sister came to a legacy tournament, and her deck was in sixty clear sleeves that all had uh, they were all backed by Contagion. So she had Contagion as her sleeves before <laughs> they really had the sleeves. That's awesome. And that was her entire deck. But yeah, I mean, the know. thing was it was like a double sleeved commander deck tall. <laughs> And I stole that idea, and I did it with Indestructible Aura a little later. That's Indestructible Aura is some of the most metal art of all Magic cards. Oh yeah, time. and it's great because it is neither an aura nor does it grant indestructible. Yeah, it makes no. It like literally, makes, uh, it's so good. It's so good. It's exactly what I want out of a Magic card. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just point out? Uh, I think this is wrong. It's uh, so this is the white decks that we've been talking about. So here's an example came in uh, third place, Max uh, Tietzi. Uh, four Flooded Strand, one Island, one Plains, four Delta, one Scrubland, four Tundra, two Underground Sea, four Dark Confident. Man, can I just uh, first of all say I love seeing all of these Dark Confidants. Always one of my favorite Magic cards of all time, and it just does not get enough play these days, yeah. and it hurts yeah, my it's heart. Time has really come and gone, but for a while, man, he that was the card. Right. Like you, like if you had, there was a long time in legacy where if you had four Tarmogoy, four dark confidant, the world was your oyster. You're the man. You're just the man. <laughs> uh, but four dark confidant, three Jotun grunt, which is Ooh, a card right. I have not seen in a long time. Jotun grunt is one in a white for a four, four, and it has cumulative upkeep, put two cards from a single graveyard on the bottom of their owner's library. And so if you can't do that, you have to sacrifice it. But basically a real cheap white beater that is also graveyard hate because it lets you uh, start chipping away at your opponents. You know what, Pat? I think I think Joden's Grunt 
it's time has come again. We we're seeing all of these, <laughs> all these like graveyard based temp, uh, tempo decks with like uh, Merc, uh, Merktide Regents and Dragon Rage Channelers. I think it's time to bring back the Joden Grunt. That sounds like my favorite sex position, honestly. The Joden Grunt. <laughs> so cold snap had only been out for about a year at this point uh when this tournament happened which uh, you know sounds like forever at this point when we have like 16 different sets that are released every year <laughs> right it's always spoiler season but you know when they're only releasing like three sets a year um a, a year is not very long so uh the reason that that Jotun Grunt was seeing play was because the prior to uh, Flash happening, uh, one of the one of the premier decks, of course, was like the the blue white uh, green or the blue red green threshold decks, and they were actually threshold decks at that point because again, no Tarmogoyf means the best beater in that deck is Werebear. Mm-hmm. Right. So you need to have seven cards in your graveyard for Werebear to be a four, four and Jotengrunt was already a four, four. Right. And it actively removed the graveyard from your threshold opponent. So you were like being proactive in reducing their creature size while already having a creature that's as big as what they're trying to make theirs into. Um, so, you know, you would never be able to keep that thing alive for more than a few turns, but the job that it was doing was really just to try and eliminate what was happening in your opponent's graveyard while still getting some hits in yourself. Um, so it was one of the, one of the advantages that the white threshold de- decks had over the, the red ones at the time. And, and there weren't many cause red was definitely better. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first people, the once and future King of legacy, <laughs> Yoden Grunt, Yoden Grunt, bringing it back. It is your answer to deal with all these blue red de- uh, Delver deck menace, um, man. I hope that's true. I, I hope, <laughs> I hope that in your leaving a legacy, open that the top eight has at least some representation of Jotengrun in it. That would make me personally feel really validated. Make it happen, people. So anyway, yeah, this white deck was playing Jotengrun because graveyards are a thing. Yep. It's also got uh, four meddling mage, three mother of runes, two Sarah Avenger. This honestly kind of feels like a proto death and taxes. Yeah. Was this one running Aether Vial? I can't remember. Uh, it was not running Aether Vial. Okay. It was running two Umazawa's Jitte though uh four swords to plowshares yeah before they were any good swords so yeah. i mean jit was just it jit was it uh and stoneforge mystic hadn't been printed that yet either so batter skull nope. was not really a thing but this is also i remember this era jit being a problem like you it was like decks played jit just to blow up their opponents jits was, because yep. this was when the legendary rule was basically like a vindicate for that specific yeah. card yeah and it it also, again, g- giving context to the time, right? Uh, if you hit with a creature that was equipped with a JIT and you had two counters on the JIT, it became really difficult for you to win with the, the, the flash Yeah, because damage still went on the stack, too, at this time. Well, no, it? it's just, I mean, you can give a creature minus two, minus two, and it's colorless. So oh, it's like so you, you can kill the it. Kiki-Jiki in response, or you can kill the, the Karmic Guide in response, and they won't be able to, to go through their combo. True, 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 true. I actually lost a game in this Grand Prix. Now, I this this is a deep memory that's just been uprooted by this conversation. <laughs> I lost the I lost a match in that Grand Prix to an opponent who was playing just straight up burn, just you know lightning bolt you to the face burn, 
which should have been a great matchup, but he main decked for Sudden Shock, oh. which was just oh. impossible for me to beat. Right. It was just, I could not do anything to beat that card. And then sideboarded in four lane on it, lay a line of the void, of Oof. course. Oh, that's rough. Sudden shock. The card, I'm telling you, the cards that people pulled out of the woodwork to deal with this stupid flash deck was like, if, if you, if you just look down through, like, if they had the top 32 deck lists or whatever, <laughs> and you just look through the sideboards of those decks, you would just be scratching your head at where <laughs> these people came up with these stupid cards. And the answer would be they just tried to figure out whatever their deck already was doing and mm-hmm. make it work against this deck that was you know, tearing up the metagame. It just goes to show you it's a conversation that I've had many times before every big GP or anything like that. But the, if you're in a good play group, there's going to be someone in that play group who goes, okay, how do you beat X? Right. And if you ask that, and if everyone's asking the same, okay, how do you beat flash Hulk? You're going to come up with a bunch of crazy stuff until you find yep. something that works. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to wrap up this top eight, because we are getting a bit long in the tooth year, uh, the only other list in the top eight is the eighth place list by Paul uh, Nicole, running very much the proto rug Delver before Delver of Secrets, before Tarmogoyf, uh, but still a very familiar package. Um, so it's got a pretty normal uh, rug Delver mana base, the difference being no wastelands was wasteland just not as good in this era two mana blue spell win the game mm-hmm. <laughs> no wasting that and it runs days so like what are you gonna do yeah so so wastelands not see, making the cut instead they're opting for some more fetches and a couple basics mm. um but the creature suite for nimble mongoose uh for Quirion dryad in i guess what would be the delver spot and then four werebear in what would be the Tarmogoyf spot. Yep. Uh, and then the rest of the deck, not too far off, actually. We got four Brainstorm, uh, three Days, three Fire and Ice, which we've seen as one ofs, and it's fallen out of favor as we've gotten kind of better cards printed. But Fire mm-hmm. and Ice for a long time was a Rug Delver staple, at least in the sideboard, yep. or as a one of or something like that. It's versatile, because like in this instance, again, Two damage is what you need to be able to break up the combo, and it pitches to Force of Will. Yep, exactly. Um, speaking of four Force of Will, four Lightning Bolt, four Mental Note, which is an interesting yeah. choice. So, Mental Note used to be a very popular card in these style of decks for a couple of reasons. One, Ponder doesn't exist. Two, Preordain doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yep. Three. Uh, the next best cantrip was portent. <laughs> <laughs> We're so, not that seems portent. play sometimes now. It does occasionally, yeah. <laughs> uh, that my favorite anecdote with that card is I was I was playing in a uh, a tournament in uh, it was like one of the Manalik Opens uh, in Connecticut. I don't even remember the year, and and Osip Libidovich showed up for that tournament. Um, and it, every, it was, everybody was talking about it. Cause it's like, Oh my God, Osip's here. He was, you know, a relatively famous pro at the time. And like, mm-hmm. he's playing in this legacy tournament. So he was playing like reanimator or something. 
don't remember something that like didn't that could ignore wide swaths of the format right you didn't have to know anything about the format to play it and i remember that i i was in the process of so i was playing blue white green threshold and i was in the process of like winning the game in the next couple of turns as i had locked out his entire deck with like three or four different meddling mages that were in play at the same time and i cast portent and i targeted him and he picked up the card and read it he looked at me he looked back at the card he looked at me and he says, you couldn't find a better card to play. <laughs> and I was just like, sorry, man. No. That's pretty great. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Um, so got the four mental note. Uh, speaking of the low cost of, uh, or the low availability of cantrips for serum visions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for stifle, which that's normal. And uh, y'all don't know how good you have it these days with your cantrips. I know. <laughs> Uh, and then one pithing needle main. What's the- you know what? I'm I just realized something. Uh, if you go, don't do this now. But if you go back through and you look at the mana bases of these decks, you will remember enemy fetch lands don't exist yet. Oh right, oh, that's so true. Yeah, you're right. Because this, uh, I did. I didn't even put two and two together. This, uh, you know, basically rug delver deck is running four wooded foothills. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's awesome. Hmm. Uh, so pithing needle is just really good because you only have if you know a tw- you name one fetch lands and that shuts off effectively 20 percent of the fetch lands in the in the format for yeah there were a lot of decks that were running like one of each of the blue fetches or two of each of the blue fetches because it didn't matter but that was the only way that they could break it up for that kind of thing yeah i mean you just you can't you can't diversify your fetches like you can now so yeah that's a great point so uh, to, to kind of like bring things full circle here, uh, one thing I just wanted to mention about kind of like the post uh, flash environment, right? So we had this, we had this one moment in time where, where flash was it. And, and it was the only thing that people were paying attention to, right? There were, there were a few other decks, um, but they were basically just iterations on a theme of what's the best way for us to combat this menace that's in the format right now. And it happened right at the same time as future site was released. So in the context of the, the legacy metagame, um, Tarmogoyf was a sleeper. And it, it, it was a sleeper in other formats because it wasn't good in other formats, right? In standard, for the most part, it was like a two-mana one-two or two-mana two-three. There just weren't the volume of cards hitting the graveyard of different types in that format for them to want Tarmogoyf actively. And then uh, in extended at the time, because modern didn't exist yet, um in extended at the time it was very similar people first of all people didn't play that format anyway um but but vintage of course was the other popular format of the time and and they didn't care about tarmogoyf because it's a creature and they were trying to win in other ways um so legacy was really like the home for tarmogoyf it was the place where like it should have had the most attention but because flash was so prevalent at that time and it didn't care about tarmogoyf at all right nobody cared about tarmogoyf and that's why for one of the like the last times right tarmogoyf got to fly under the radar for a very long time and you could pick them up weeks after the release for like a buck or two right 
it wasn't one of those cards like i think jace the mind sculptor was like one of the first cards where it was like pre-sales sold out at like <laughs> hundreds of dollars well but, i i remember the the funny result of that was uh there's this famous Ch- channel fireball article at the time where uh i forget his name um I, he used to be on like the heavy meta uh podcast but uh he wrote a budget uh, article trying to help new players to get into uh into magic made like a budget deck price around fifty dollars but included playing four tarmogoyfs playing four tarmogoyfs and now yep. this budget deck is like <laughs> like six hundred dollars <laughs> yeah yeah and and like that was not that strange i what was strange was that it got that expensive but you know that was because it at, over time and especially after flash got banned suddenly people were realizing like oh this creature is better than whatever it is that we're trying to do in this format and it it didn't happen immediately it wasn't overnight it was you know months and months later that it actually started to pick up steam and, and increase in price um you know i i bought a set of them because i was like maybe these will see play and and then i traded them to another local player here um for basically two dollars uh on the dollar for what i paid for mine so i think i bought mine for like three dollars a piece and then i traded him my regular ones and he traded me his foil set that he bought because (laughs) it was already gaining value to him right like he paid so little for the for the foil ones that like, if I was going to give him six bucks for him, he was already making money. So I, I got my set of foil Tarmogoyfs at that time for like six bucks a piece. And then, you know, <laughs> like years later, I sell them for like 150 bucks a piece, but um, you know, th- that was totally unexpected. It just, I just like to have foil cards for my threshold deck and I thought maybe it would see play. Right. So it wasn't like me knowing anything because none of us did. And then, you know, within six months, let's say it was seeing play in everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Every deck in legacy played Tarmogoyf. People were cutting goblin pile driver and playing Tarmogoyf, you know, like it was, yeah, it goblins. was ridiculous. Yep. Now I should have done this at the beginning of the episode, but I just kind of want to set the scene for uh, people uh, of what may 2007 looks like. Uh, I have here the Billboard uh, Top 100 songs, and just just to run it down here for May 2007, we have uh, "Girlfriend" by Avril Lavigne. It's a solid song. I, listen, I will defend <laughs> Avril Lavigne. She made some hit songs for real. Uh, uh, "Buy You a Drank" by T Pain. Song sucks. <laughs> T Pain, underrated artist, but that song sucks. He's killing it on TikTok right now. Is he? Yeah, he, that's is, awesome. Is, I love to like see a, it. Is he like a pod? Uh, a, uh, yeah, it's like podcaster and Walk, streamer. Waka Flocka yeah. started his own farm. I was, I was watching. Yo, I saw that on TikTok, TikTok too. It's pretty his, dope. His farm looks tight. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like I'm, I'm like, shit. This guy's using a tiller and like he's like weed whacking and stuff. I'm like, that's yeah, pretty cool, man. Dude said like ten years ago when he was actually like famous, yeah. he was like, all I want to do is move out to the middle of nowhere and have a farm, and nobody took him seriously. <laughs> I mean, he would you like... off the face of the earth? <laughs> and we found him on a farm. Fucking awesome. I think it's fucking awesome. I think it's awesome. Uh, we also got What I've Done by Linkin Park. It's a good song. And uh, Pop, Lock, and Drop It. <laughs> I don't know what song that is. Hold on. You definitely know it. Uh, and for top movies of May 2007, 
we got in number one Spider-Man three, which I believe is oh, with oh, <laughs> Tobey Maguire Horrible. number number one movie in America. <laughs> is that the one when he like becomes Venom yes. and he like he's does he the does, stupid yes. dance? That's he does the, the emo one. dance that's still memes so still meme to this day, fifteen years later. So bad. <laughs> uh, second Shrek the third. <laughs> and three transformers what a horrible time to be alive as a as a cin- uh, cinematographer for the may 2007 <laughs> pat just put on pop lock and drop it right now i, did. I don't i do i don't like it <laughs> yeah, it's not good you're just twerking you're like you're just, literally just twerking in front of the camera and then he just goes i don't like it <laughs> well listen it's got a it's got a good beat but the lyrics are are whack and the hook is very bad I know that you both uh, can uh, commiserate with this, but in May of 2007, I was a grown ass adult. <laughs> uh, yes, I was too. I was actually graduating college. Was I? I was yep. already out of college for a while. <laughs> oh no, I, I was. I was in my final year of college. Final year of college. May 2007, I was graduating high school. Okay, so that's why i'm the legacy theorian, folks i was a grown-ass man you were a grown-ass man yep and i actually i'm sad i never lived through the flash hulk era because i quit the year before because i'm like all right i'm i'm going to college i'm going to be an adult i've, and I've it's outgrown time to put, this game and it's time to put away the childish things yeah i think a lot of us did that i i know i did that too yeah. uh it, it just so happens that that happened for me in 2000 and i i was back in the game by that point <laughs> yeah 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 i definitely uh well you know what it was is like me and my buddy that just the two of us played all through high school and so when we went off to our separate college it was like well i literally don't know anyone who ever who plays magic because we never went to like lgs's to play we would go there to like buy packs but that was it for yeah. us and i didn't get back into it till after luke was born i was uh i was very active from like 1994 or 1995 up until exodus was printed um so whatever year that was Mm -hmm. but that was like early high school years for me yeah but all through middle school and into the beginning of high school like we basically spent a friend of mine his name's jim and myself we spent Mm -hmm. like every friday night at his house playing heroes of might and magic 3 until like the early early hours in the morning <laughs> and if people have played that game you know that that game is like og fantastic and then on saturday mornings we would get up and go to the local magic tournaments at a mall down the street from uh where he lived and it was just like that same pattern over and over and over yeah. and over again um neither of us were good because we were children but um you know it was it was very fundamental so then i took a break uh basically from like the middle of high school when I discovered what girls were into college. And then uh, I got pulled back into the game the summer between, I want to say like my junior and senior year of college. Uh, I got invited to an invitational tournament that that same LGS owner ran as like a thank you to all the people that had helped him along the way over the years. Hmm. Um, and, and so like I hadn't played in like four years at that time. And I came back into it at that point. And I think that was like right around when it was, I think Darksteel was the most recent set when that happened. So it's funny. Cause like, that was one of the most broken times in magic at that time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Cause it's like skull clamp affinity was like the deck of the minute there. Um, but 
I couldn't play any of those decks because I didn't have any of those cards. Mm -hmm. What I did have was all the cards from like 1995 that I used to have. So that's really why I got into legacy in the first place. It's just, it gave me an opportunity to play the cards that I already own instead of having to try and keep up with whatever was going on. Yep. This was the age shout out to, uh, to Dave Philbrick of the comic stop. Uh, that was my LGS growing up. And this is the days when I remember Friday night, you would go down there. $5 would get you entry into whatever that night's tournament was because they chose like, it would be like legacy one week, standard another week, draft. Uh, he would also do things like, all right, we're doing pre-cons and here's all the pre-cons I couldn't sell. <laughs> but the invitational tournament that I was talking about was a sealed deck tournament. Yep. When, when, starter decks were still a thing right so so you would have like the three booster pack starter deck and then so the the sealed deck was a starter deck and two booster packs and that invitational tournament was take one of whatever i have in stock yeah so i i remember this very distinctly i played with a fourth edition starter deck a portal booster pack and a dark steel booster pack because i just wanted to know what the new cards were um and and my friend took the same and he got a fourth edition channel and a dark steel fireball. <laughs> and he played channel fireball in that sealed deck. We, we, we had a similar one. And my friend just got the lucky strike. He got the starter deck. There was a starter deck back then that it had Stoneforge Mystic. And it was either Batter Skull or Jitte in it. That was a that was a precon. There was yeah, a precon. It was, it was a precon. Yeah. It, it came with like a Stoneforge Mystic and a Batter Skull. And he's like, all right, I'm gonna take this one. And he just steamrolled the room because <laughs> yep. everyone's playing precons and he's got Stoneforge Mystic Batter Skull. If I if I remember correctly, and, and I could be wrong about this, I I think I'm right. After Stoneforge Mystic got banned, yep, in standard. It was still legal if you were playing that exact pre-con deck list. Yes. Yep. So there was a guy in my local playgroup who foiled out that pre-con <laughs> so that he could still play Stoneforge Mystic in standard. That's awesome. But he played it entirely for him. Oh, that is hilarious. <laughs> uh good times well thanks so much for coming on adam always a pleasure having you always yeah i love talking with you guys taking a trip down memory lane i'm sure we'll do it more in the future and uh let us know guys if you have eras of uh legacy that you want us to talk about and revisit and kind of take a look at with modern lens uh let us know in the facebook group you know let us know what uh what you kind of want to hear uh i i'm i'm feeling i'm feeling these fun episodes pat yeah, I like it. I like it. But thanks so much, Adam. Thanks for coming on. And, of course. Uh, Pat, should we get into some scoops? Yeah, let's do scoops in the top eight, Jerry. Who do you want to scoop in this week? Uh, I'm going to scoop in uh, my awesome opponents at Gaming, et cetera, even though you curb stomped me and sent me home at nine o'clock. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I got I got my brute, my beauty rest. I wasn't you know at the shop until midnight like I usually am. I, I yep. got to go home early and uh you know, as an old man, it, that, that, that sort of thing's important these days. <laughs> now we know you're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you, Adam? Who you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Well, as always, I'm going to scoop in my sponsor, Lux Bidet. Oh, yes. Pat, did you get a bidet, by the way? Last so, time Adam was on, you were yes, shopping for bidets. I am still working on remodeling that room, so I still have not hit him up for a bidet, but I am going to. I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. Room. I've got an affiliate link room. in my link tree. You can definitely check it out there. Okay. I just ran a giveaway and gave one out. Oh, nice. 
I should yeah. pro- I should probably go. I'm I'm moving in September, so I should I should take the opportunity to upgrade when you know upgrade Absolutely. my whole life. And they're super inexpensive. They're they're way less than you would expect them to be. It's like <laughs> the base model is like thirty five bucks. There's they're super cheap. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the the one that I have is a Cadillac, and it is extremely not thirty five dollars. But <laughs> hey, what are you gonna do? Um, so yeah, they're they're my big scoops. Um, as long as I'm plugging businesses. I'm I'm gonna try to shoehorn another sponsorship in here while I can. Uh, I just picked up new glasses from a company called Pair Eyewear. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were an Instagram ad that absolutely got me. They were also featured on Shark Tank at one point. Okay, um, so they're they're glasses that have uh, mag. I, of course, I don't have them on right now. I'm wearing my contacts, <laughs> but they have magnetic uh, frame uh, pieces, and then they have different face plates that you can put on them to change the color. Oh, cool! Or, or style of your glasses, and then they also have sunglass versions. I was like going to ask, like, well. I have a buddy who at yeah. work who has like the the magnets that the rare earth magnets they clip on sunglasses. He yep. he absolutely yep. loves them. They're fantastic. Like I've had them for like two weeks, and I went from never wearing glasses to like I've worn them like five days this week. They're, oh, they're awesome, and you know, there's enough different choices that are actually really affordable. Like the the glasses themselves are like sixty bucks for the base model of them, which mm-hmm. is way cheaper than you're going to get them in a store. That's like frames, lenses included. All right. And then now and you then, know, what what is the what are these called? You got you got pair p a i r eyewear. And then uh, the face plates are like twenty five or thirty bucks a pop. They're 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 totally affordable. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why I went with them. Cause I know personally that like, even with some amount of coverage from my insurance company, like glasses are absurdly expensive. Pat, I feel we need to like up our, our shill game. Like, I feel like they were leaving serious money on the table by not at the uh... very least you're leaving <laughs> like free stuff on the table. Yeah. I, right? I wear glasses. I could use some sweet glasses. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see this. I think that's my next one. I'm gonna try to line that up. It took me a couple of years to get Lux Bidet on board, but they love me now, so I'm <laughs> I'm absolutely on board for that. So let's see if I can get some other stuff going too. That's that's amazing. Lux has a new item out. They've got um they just they just released uh, <laughs> the shell continues coming. Yeah, they, they just released a. Uh, so most of you are probably familiar with what poopery is. You know the spray that you put in the toilet before you use it, and it keeps Wait, the smell in the toilet. Yeah, so it's so um, the the company the sub company that they have is called Wift W H I F T. Okay, uh, and and. What it is, is it's it's either drops, like liquid drops or spray that you spray into the toilet before you sit down on it. And it creates a protective layer of scent above it so mm-hmm. that while you're using the toilet, you're not smelling the smells. You know, it gives you some protection from the from the scent aspects <laughs> of it. Um, and it works really good. And they smell really great. They've got like four different uh, four different uh, scents on it. And Interesting. I've, I've gotten a chance to check them all out. And they're pretty awesome. All right. Amazing. <laughs> Those are my scoops. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm going to scoop in, uh, I'll, I'll scoop in, uh, uh, time vault, uh, in Bellingham for, uh, having an awesome tournament and I'll scoop in Etsy, even though I didn't get up there. I'm glad to see that Jerry got his face stomped in for three rounds. That makes me happy. Uh, and then I also got a message from, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Josh Pasco, who said he, uh, He's been listening to the cast recently, and uh, he actually bought into COVID during Legacy after listening to a few episodes of our of our show. And he, he bought into COVID during Legacy. Uh, did, is that what I said? <laughs> yeah. He bought into Legacy during. COVID. We know what you meant. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just said he really likes the show, and he wanted us to shout out his uh, 
his uh, local legacy store, which is old school gaming in Toledo, Ohio. He said they're running legacy biweekly events there. Um, and uh, he said they have good turnout there. So if you're in the Toledo, Ohio area, uh, you can stop by old school gaming and uh, play some paper magic, man. And that, that's all I have this week, man. That's it. Hell yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us, Adam. It was great to talk to you and uh, get some more on the history of magic and uh, and uh, and yeah, do some learning. Yeah, when you're my age, you don't have a lot to look forward to, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go downstairs by myself and take a shower and and talk to my dogs, I guess, until I talk you to say Jerry that, next week. Yeah. But honestly, like as somebody with a one year old, like the idea of being in the house by myself sounds amazing. So to me. yeah, it don't get me wrong, it's cool, but like over the last nine years, nine and a half years, I've just become so accustomed to the noise of children. Yeah. That you got a little empty nest syndrome. That, yeah. That void is just really weird. Even though like there are some days where I'm like, I just like say, go to bed. I'm not coming just go to bed, go upstairs and close your door. Like, but yeah, like what time weird. did you get up this morning? Right. So I have two, I have a, a puppy who's seven months old. Oh, so I got up that's too bad. 645, which sucks ass. <laughs> Can't but, complain if you misplay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, what can you do? <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks everyone for hanging out this week. Uh, obviously you can, you can pre-register for the uh, LAL open, which is August 28th. Um, you can do that at uh, gaming, etc. the gaming, etc. website uh do support the show on patreon if you want to and uh that's it thanks for hanging yeah, out yeah jerry pat thanks a lot thanks again have a, have a great week everyone Bye. Come on down to